Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Raising the Standard. I am your host, Josh Kachadorian. This is Leadership, Mindset, and Development for the Kingdom Man. I'm also the author of the book, The Standard, Discovering Jesus as the Standard for Masculinity. Now, today is a special episode because about a year ago, I sat down with my good friend, Joseph Wilson, who has his own podcast, and he interviewed me on the feminization of Christianity. Yes, you heard that right. If you are a Christian male in today's culture, chances are that your church has been impacted or you've been influenced in some part of your life through this feminization of Christianity that happened during the Industrial Revolution. We talk more about that during today's interview. We also talk about how Jesus sets the standard for men, and we go beyond that into interpersonal relationships and a host of other topics that you're not going to want to miss. This is an exciting interview. I had a great time during this discussion, and I wanted to bring it back, air it on the episode for you guys to listen to today. Hey guys, I also want to thank you for listening to the show. I'm just blown away by how many people are actually tuning in and from where they're tuning in. We are hitting a number of nations. People are listening literally from around the world and it humbles me and blows me away that people have caught the message of raising the standard, of pushing in and pursuing the high calling in life. So if that's you and you've been benefiting from the show, I'm gonna ask you if you would please rate and review the show. That means so much. It helps the podcast get found. If you could give it a five-star rating and also write a written review, this is how podcasts are found by other guys and I would really appreciate it if you could do that. Also, if you could share the show, if you know someone that's interested in these topics that wants to hear what we're talking about here on raising the standard of pursuing and leaning in and living that consecrated life that's set apart for God so you can reach and unlock your full potential, then please share these episodes with them. I really appreciate you. And without waiting any further, let's get into today's episode. Um, we're going to begin officially, okay, and then we'll get into this thing. So great to have you guys on here. Welcome to the Fuse Life Podcast, episode 80. And my guest today, tonight, this afternoon, uh, is an amazing man, a man who I have tremendous respect for. Uh, I had the privilege of meeting him now, probably around three years ago, by accident, but not accident. And somehow God just connected us. And I love what this man stands for, his mission, his vision. But most of all, I love his heart. And he is the same man on the stage as he is uh, behind the curtain. And that's a big deal to me. So I'm super privileged and honored to have Josh Katadorian with me today. Josh, thank you so much for joining us. Joseph, it's an honor to finally be with you on this platform. Love it, bro. Love what you're doing. Yeah. We go back now. So uh, thanks for the words and uh, a lot of love for you. And uh, what an awesome story the way we met. So you lead, I'll follow. Yeah, well, I ended up in California for a conference, a business entrepreneurship conference. And um, one of the afternoons, I just see this man walking past. And uh, I was like, oh, this guy works out. Reminded me of Bill Phillips. I don't know if you guys know who Bill Phillips is and uh, from EAS. And um, you ever told me that. That's news to me. Yeah. yeah, I mean, um, is the streaming okay on your end? It looks okay? Everything's fine on my side, yeah. Cool. Yeah, and so I was like, man, you know, I'll, I'll say this, Josh. The first time I saw you, there was like an executive thing on you. And that kind of, you know, 
leadership, influence, executive, Bill Phillips. So it was really cool to I, I ended up talking to Josh and um inside the what would you call it? The room where we all got to eat food, the VIP yeah, room. Yeah. Yeah. And um and it was awesome. And since then, man, it's just been deeper. I got to hang out with Josh in Pennsylvania. We walked the streets of New York. Um, you know, it was a great experience that day and that three or four days at his house. And here we are, man. I you know, we actually logged a lot of miles together. Um, where did I pick you up? A bus station, I think. I'm I'm drawing but I a blank. Drove you, I drove you to Pittsburgh. No, you drove me to a bus station. We met we met together at the conference and took the plane. No, no, but I picked you up when you came to Pennsylvania. Anyways, we bent literally across the state. I brought you to New York City. Oh, that's the my first home. time. That's right. Um I picked you up somewhere in South Pennsylvania, then we drove to Pittsburgh. So we literally, we went to the gym together. Um, yeah, we locked some hours, man. It was fun. Good times. You know, um, I love that for you, the spirit, soul, body aspect is all one, is all important. You know, um, I have so much respect for you as not just as a man, but a, a husband, a father. And then there's this business side to you, this coach side to you, this mentor side to you. So let's go into that a little bit. Can you just tell people a little bit about you, what you do, what you are about? Um, sure. Yeah. Thanks, Joseph. So, um, so guys for, uh, you know, here's the quick and we can go as deep as you want on any one of these sides, but, um, grew up in a Christian home, um, was fortunate to have a real praying mother, um, and have awesome, um, just spiritual influences, um, ministry opportunities growing up, um, being in that environment, um, started my own business later in life started a fitness equipment store and grew that from one location to three locations. So I learned how to grow a business. I learned really what not to do during that time period. Um, after about five years in that business of growing, scaling, hiring, um, you know, being the salesperson, but also the janitor, you know, delivering the equipment, selling it and driving the van around, you know, doing the books and also cleaning the bathroom, like doing all those roles um, really helped me develop into the, the man I was becoming at that point in time. And then um, met my wife, was married for about a year and had a phenomenal encounter that brought us into the next season of our life where literally we were, you know, married for about a year. I'm, I'm owning this business. I have three locations. And, um, and during that time period, you know, just was capped a little bit, was waiting for the next thing. Um, we felt this sense of spiritual expectation over our lives and we were really hungry for what's next. You know, I, I guess the best way I could say is that, you know, we were not pregnant at the time, but it felt like we were pregnant with something and we were waiting for what's that thing that we're going to do. And we literally were praying um, together as a new as a new married couple in the living room one day. And I was like praying one of those desperate prayers, Joseph. I'm like, Lord, I'll go anywhere, like wherever you want us to go, whatever you want to do. And guys, let me tell you, do not pray that prayer unless you really mean it. Because like no, like no joke, no exagger exaggeration. In the middle of that prayer, the phone rang. I just got done saying I'll go anywhere. And the phone rings. And I look at Rachel, my wife, and I said, should I get it? She's like, yeah, it kind of interrupted things. So she's like, yeah, I guess you should get it. And um, it was a really good friend of mine that I had left a voicemail to days before this, this phone call came in. 
And um, he was my youth group leader, someone I looked up to, but I lost contact with, haven't been in touch with in a long time. He was a pharmaceutical sales rep. It was something I always wanted to do. And I just wanted to pick his brain to see, hey, do I even have a shot if I ever wanted to make a jump from owning my own business to jumping into what you do? And he's like, well, as a matter of fact, I'm actually a manager right now. I have a spot open. You should come interview for it. The spot's in Brooklyn. And this was all happening when we lived in upstate New York, far from the city, you know, three hours north. So we literally just got done saying we'd go anywhere. And the call came in and the invitation was the interview in Brooklyn, New York. And the rest is history. You know, we, we prayed for the open doors, for green lights. We sought the wisdom of counselors and mentors, spiritual fathers that were in my life. Went through those doors. Boom, boom, boom. Everything opened. Um, tremendous favor in that company for over 15 years now. Six different promotions. Um, you know, building that executive presence, going from a kid that was a little bit raw, a little bit rough around the edges, um, to really smoothing that out and learning and being trained in the ways of the world in a lot of ways. Um, learning and getting a first class education in Egypt, if we want to call it that. And um, just ascending through those ranks. And then um, really learned and, and obtained a coaching skill set, building high performance teams, stepping into ascending levels of leadership. And that led to different opportunities, different divine connections where our paths cross, where now I help out a major um, organization and movement for kingdom entrepreneurs. And I help run their coaching program as well as um, do what I'm doing now, which is writing a book and, you know, growing, uh, growing some various media outlets that we'll talk about on this episode and what is now standard59.com. Mm, boom. And um, so can we go into that a little bit, like just your your book? I know at the end we'll touch on it again, but uh, why write this book? What, what happened to bring you to this point and what is the standard? So before we jump right into that, let's talk about, let's weave this in to the topic of what you titled this episode, which is the feminization of Christianity. So let's go there first okay. and um, and then I'll, I'll get into the book a little bit, Joseph. Um, yeah. So in America, it's a little bit different. I think in New Zealand, you guys have a little bit different genesis of Christianity and how it was brought to your shores. Mm. Um, I read, I did a little bit of due diligence on you know the missionaries and what happened over the last couple of centuries in your country. Mm. Um, and I won't go too, I won't dial the clock back too far, but why is it right now? And, you know, maybe you can tell me if this is the case in New Zealand as well. But when we talk about Jesus, I'm talking about at a general level, at a mainstream level, to the man on the street, um, to the mainstream church, um, for, for people that know of him and maybe know him on the fringes, they know a little bit about the Bible, they've been to Sunday school, uh, maybe they're not totally... Um, in the depth of a relationship as your tribe here. But why is it that when we think of Jesus, we think of someone soft, we think of these very soft characteristics, these qualities um, of, you know, I, I see the picture of the European Jesus, you know, holding the sheep, and he's certainly a lamb, he certainly has um, empathy and EQ, but that seems to be the way most people peg Jesus is this feminine, weak, religion and weak character who is a hippie who came and spread this message of love and you know he wore his Birkenstocks and traveled all over the desert in the wilderness and and kind of you know didn't offend anyone didn't ruffle any feathers and it's a it's a soft picture 
And that's kind mm. of what we have here in America. If I was to stop anyone on the street, that would probably be fairly accurate to the way, whether they say it overtly or not, that would probably be pretty accurate to the way they envision Jesus or yep. view Christians in general, Christian men, Christians at large, you're pacifist, you're passive, you're not aggressive, you're weak, um, you let people walk on you, and that's the way your religion trains you to be. Would that be yeah. similar in your country? Yeah, yep. And some of the island countries I've been to also, it's a similar thing, yeah. Yeah, and, and part of that, at least, you know, not to dial it back too far, but if we go to the Industrial Revolution, just tell the story real quick, and I'm sure it had an influence on New Zealand. Um, what happened at that time was men were mostly on the farm, raising their family. Um, I don't know if you guys have the show, Little House on the Prairie. My children love it. Um, get on it if you can. It's a great family show. But it's this picture of farm life, right? And the family unit, the way it should be. And, you know, they're growing their food. There's a small community. And, you know, they're living life together. The man's the spiritual head of the household. There's good role modeling, good fathering, phenomenal family bonds. They read the Bible together. And, you know, we have this picture of this family unit before the Industrial mm. Revolution starts to take place. Mm. And as the world becomes industrialized, as factories come onto the scene, as men get new opportunities to travel to the city and go to work, they start to leave that farm, they leave that household, and they leave that spiritual fathering and that spiritual parenting to their wife. As they go mm. in, they now become a little bit more worldly, hanging out with the guys around the water cooler, working their job, you know, with their tools and building and expanding America and expanding all this um, age of civilization that brought on this industrial revolution. And what happened at that time was a critical shift. Men started to leave their post as the spiritual father in the home, left that job to the females, their wives. And in turn, the wives start are staying in church, but the men are departing from church. And mm. now we're starting to get a culture of the church is attracting predominantly women. So mm. they start to put programs together and they start to cater to their biggest conglomerate, their biggest um, population, which is women. And it starts a cycle of, we need more programs for the women. We need more um, ways to attract them and get them here. And men get pushed away farther. And the church starts to take on this feminine feel. The programs are feminine. The songs are feminine. Um, the things that are happening. And when I say feminine, I don't mean to offend anyone. I'm just talking about if we clustered characteristics mm. that we would say are masculine and we clustered characteristics that we'd see are, are more motherly and feminine. That's what I'm talking about. Certainly, a male and female can have similar and shared characteristics. So don't mean to offend anyone with that. Um, but what we have is this church goes into a cycle of now um, creating programs, drawing women, catering to women. It goes on and on and on all the way to the present day society. Even the church I grew up in where you go into the pastor's office um, from the color of the carpet, the colors of the walls, the decor, the flower arrangements, um, the paintings on the wall, a little bit soft, a little bit on the feminine side, not something that you really want to invite your buddy from the gym or your buddy from work to come to that church and let them feel at home. Mm, totally. Right? So do you have yeah. a little bit of that in New Zealand? A little bit of yeah, that, New Zealand, that residue that probably traveled over from the shores yeah. of America? Yeah, I think this is true for most countries, um, at least in the West, you know, so bang on.
Yeah. So um, I'll, I'll bridge it to the book right now. And um, I wrote this book. It's called The Standard. So you asked a little bit about the genesis of this. So with with the feminization of Christianity and with this picture of a soft feminine Jesus. Um, and also I'm gonna tie in my background, you know, climbing through the ranks in corporate and learning leadership and seeing the way mm -hmm. the world does things and being trained in some of the best certifications and the best trainings on what leadership is and things that I wasn't necessarily getting in my church culture growing up as well. I started mm -hmm. to read the Bible a few years ago with a new lens, you know, experiences that I now had in my forties that just weren't there in my 20s. They weren't there in my 30s. You know, you are who you are in that moment of time. All your experiences, the lens, the perspectives that you gain shape your outview today. You know, you mm -hmm. are today based on these cumulative experiences. And I was seeing Jesus in a new light. And I never set out to write a book. I never said, wow, I think I'll write a book. I'd love to be an author. Um, I just started to journal and I just started to see some things about the way Jesus was leading teams. I was seeing things about the way he was organizing. I was seeing things about mm -hmm. the way he led men. And I just started to take note and I started to journal. And then, I don't know, halfway through, I was like, I think I got something here. Maybe this will be a devotion. Maybe this will be something. And it led me on this journey of a couple of years, um, you know, just being disciplined with my time management. I have three children. I have a full-time job. I have side projects. I have an awesome wife. I support her with her multiple businesses and finding time to write and get this message out and then waiting on the Lord and asking the Lord, when is the right time to release this? And I felt that release in 2020. Mm. Man, that's so good. Just before we go deeper into the book and parts of the book and this thing here, how do you view, like we talked about the feminization, what's happening, catering to the women, but yet a lot of the leaders are men. A lot of the leaders are male figures can you talk to that a little bit? Like how, you know, like it's a bit of a, I don't know, dichotomy, yeah. paradox, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. If we, if we go back to that same time period that I referenced, that industrial revolution, um, the men that were attracted to ministry and the men that were in the pulpit, um, they weren't your manly men. They weren't your typical you know, masculine man, like the husbands of the wives that attended those churches, um, the men that chose to go to theology school and and that became pastors. Um, they were a little bit what we would probably call less than masculine. And this is also a reason why the men didn't want to go to church. And these men had to be very skilled at catering to the women. They had to have discussions and counseling and do all these ministries that cater to women. And they're the ones that also perpetuated this. Right. Um, present day, I don't think we have that issue as much, thank God, um, with mm -hmm. the rise of larger churches, mega churches, um, with just the present day we're in, we're seeing a lot of that reverse. I think men can be men more now, and we found mm -hmm. different ways to attract men and be authentic and have a genuine expression. But what I was doing there is I wanted to go to the root of it, Joseph, why did we get this way? And even now, you know, we have such a divide of the sacred versus the secular, right? Mm -hmm. You know, the professional minister versus the guy who works in the factory, the blue collar worker, the white collar worker. And there's mm. this separation and that separation's further agitated and divided every Sunday because we sit there and we watch the one man show. And I'm not tearing down church, but we're conditioned to be spectators. And unless mm. we have other ministries and some churches do this really well. But if you have a way to activate your men plug them in, give them opportunity to be with themselves, to express mm. themselves, 
um, to talk about what they need and, and come together with good, strong male leadership. It can work well. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, we don't have a lot of that in present day churches. At least the majority of churches I've been to in my life, I've probably only seen two to three men's groups. And one of those I initiated just because I was bored and no one was doing anything. And the mm. other two, there was something already baked in, but the rest non-existent. Mm. There's a lot of people agreeing with you here. Uh, probably a lot of women, wives <laughs> who are facing some of this. And um, I want to address some of this here. You know, like one of the ladies just said, uh, I know men who are in our church and frustrated. <clears throat> frustrated um, because the local church sways this way. No freedom for a masculine expression. Can you speak to that a little bit? A masculine expression in, in your eyes and your research and your experience. What 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 is healthy in that sense? Well, you know, I want to be careful because what I don't want to do is I don't want to bash churches and I don't mm -hmm. want to um, – I don't want to um, – say that I have every answer right now either, right? But if we look by and large at the church, right? If we look broad brush, what we see, and we're talking about men that we're trying to reach. We're not talking necessarily about strong men like yourself who are plugged in, who are committed disciples and really mm -hmm. following the Lord, spending time in the word and really know him. But if we're mm -hmm. trying to activate the fringes, if we're trying to draw more men into the man they're created and called to be, we have to um, create a space where they can be welcome and where they understand how they can connect. So it starts with understanding a man is totally different than a woman. And if we look at even our worship songs, and I am a worshiper, I'm an intercessor, I love to worship, right? I love to go into the deep places, but I can even admit a lot of our, our songs and current culture, it may turn guys off where they don't feel welcome to come in because it's it's really centered on intimacy. It's really centered on um, these softer aspects that they don't necessarily connect with at a visceral level. You know, a man mm -hmm. wants to connect. You know, we have these different motifs in the Bible, but I mean, we're more than conquerors. We have the sword of the spirit. We wear the armor of God. We're overcomers. Mm -hmm. Those that's the language that speaks to me. You know, that's one of my core themes is to be a leader and to be an overcomer and to mm -hmm. rise up against the enemy, the world systems, to take dominion in my life, to take dominion over myself. That's masculine language to step into that victorious view, you know, and there's two sides, right? Because there's masculine and feminine. Um, even if we go into Genesis and we look at how we are made in his image and his likeness, his image in the Hebrew, each Hebrew word has a, um, as a genitive to it, it's either male or female. An image is male. That's masculine. We're made in his image. Mm -hmm. Likeness is female. We're made mm -hmm. in his image and his likeness. So if you think about Adam, even though he was created male in man's image, he still is carrying the likeness of Eve within him before mm -hmm. Eve was pulled out. And it's a beautiful picture of we're hidden in Christ, Colossians, right? It's the church is within Jesus. So um, we serve this Lord with masculine and feminine qualities. But if we want to attract men, we have to get them with the masculine energy, the masculine qualities. Those are the things that speak to me. And if I look at Jesus, you know, he steps onto the scene. He's a man. He could have came in to any vocation. He could have came. Mm -hmm. I mean, it actually makes sense. If you think about it, why didn't he come in as a rabbi? 
Why didn't he study? Why didn't he follow a rabbi for most of his earthly life and take the route that Paul did? You know, Paul followed Gamaliel. That's what he did. And, you know, that gives him his background as he launches out into the New Testament and his conversion. But that's not Jesus's path. He wasn't born a Levite. You know, he was born and enters into the world as a blue collar worker. So think mm-hmm. about that. Jesus could have came as anything, and he rubs elbows with humanity, right? He rubs elbows as um, as a as a worker. I won't say a carpenter. I think he was a builder. I probably mm-hmm. built, he probably built with stone. Um, there's a lot of reasons why I would say that, but he probably worked with wood as well. But he built. He used his hands. Um, he used tools. He sweat. And he comes into earth as a blue collar worker, identifying with what the uh, the everyday man would go through. And as yeah. he steps into his ministry, he attracts and he calls forth men from different vocations. But the majority of them were in the industrial fishing business, right? These are blue collar workers. These are roughnecks. Yeah. These are guys. They had they were rough around the edges. They had yeah. you know not the the most articulate language, the way they spoke. You know, we know that about Peter when he spoke, you know, you speak like a Galilean, you speak like someone that was out on a fishing boat. So (laughs) these are the people he attracted. This is who he poured his life into. He didn't look for the most articulate, the most educated, but he works with the roughnecks. He works with the men of the day. And, you know, there's, there's educated. Luke was a physician. Matthew was a tax collector. I love the diversity there. Um, mm-hmm. But that's who we attract. So how do we go from Jesus leading this band of misfits, transforming them into world changers, setting them free on the world stage? Literally the guy who is a coward and denies Jesus while he's on looking three times stands mm-hmm. up and 3000 people get saved on the day of Pentecost. Like mm. that's the Jesus I want to follow. That's my Lord. That's my Savior. But that's not the picture that most people see and that most men know of when they think of Jesus. Totally, totally. And um, and it's not talked about. I'm I'm glad you're talking about it. And I know before we we mentioned how some churches do touch on this, but I've never seen it. I've never been in a in a church where they've touched on this. And even the men's groups or the men's nights, um, they always are sandwiched. You know, it's like there's a bun and there is a bun and there's a little bit of something manly, but then the bun covers that, you know. So, I mean, in your book, you have these frameworks. Can you touch on um, just lightly on what the frameworks are? And um, then maybe we could go into one or two of them. Yeah, sure. Um, so, Joseph, what um, what was basically, you know, unveiled to me as I was writing this? Um, and it's not all rah, rah, masculine, like let's, you know, let's go conquer the world. It's really looking at Jesus in the full dimensions that I was, that I saw and that I noticed, I observed. There's certainly many more, right? I'm not saying this is exhaustive. We're talking about Jesus, you know, yeah. he's inexhaustible. He's the Christ of unsearchable riches. So by no means, I mean, I'm barely touching the surface and we put things in perspective. But what stood out to me was six different dimensions in the life of Jesus. I'll just tell you what they are right now. And um, the Lord just downloaded a symbol for each one. Um, I partnered with an artist who drew this symbol for each section of the book. Uh, But section one is self-mastery. It's the way of a disciple. It's taking control and taking dominion over yourself. You know, so many men, they want to be kings, right? They want to be leaders. Um, you know, they want to rule, they want to reign, but you're not able to rule anything until you're able to rule yourself. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about self mastery 
And that is the picture of the measuring reed or the measuring rod. Jesus was a builder. Um, there's a lot of references in scripture to measuring and measurements. And I'm making the case that he is the standard that we are measured against, that he sets the standard for humanity. He sets the standard for men. He sets the standard for true masculinity. Mm-hmm. Uh, book two, we go into leadership, the shepherd staff. And I really talk about the way he built, the way he led teams, um, the way he organizes and this new style of leadership that he breaks onto the world stage with and revolutionizes everything against yeah. the backdrop of the kings and the rulers of the earth. And that is servant leadership. After that, we look at communication, the way he communicates and, you know, I love that scripture where he says, if I'm lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. He uses a lot of analogies from um, from farming and from fishing. And so this one is the fishing net that he pulls, he never pushes people. He pulls. All his words are always there to invite discovery, to draw the spiritually curious to come deeper if you have ears to hear. After communication, I do touch on... Um, You know, there is this level of empathy. So I'm not against Jesus as the lamb. I just think sometimes we're out of balance where we see him only as a lamb and never Mm -hmm. as a lion. But there is this part. It is central to who he is. Um, He does display emotion. He is emotionally intelligent. He has a high level of empathy and the ability to relate to those around him and form rapport, build trust and build bonds immediately as a man, as the son of man, he does this. And that is um, that is the empathy section. And then, of course, I need to touch on the thing that I think has been missing the most, which is confrontation, which is the sword. The way he brings a confrontation to the Pharisees, the way he can walk into the temple, seen injustice, flip tables, and make a way for people that never had a way before. And then lastly, I wrap it up with love, which is the summation of his character. And that is who he is, the fabric of his very being. God is love. And it's a call for men to come back to the Lord or to pledge their life and their allegiance to the Lord and his kingdom if they do not know him. And they were drawn to this book. Man, that is so good. Guys, I've put the link up there. We're going to talk a little bit more about it just towards the end of the podcast. But the link's up there, which you can share with your husbands and other men that you know. We're having some ladies talk about different men and experiences they've had so you know just to touch on a couple of these uh things here these frameworks if you want to call them that josh you talked about uh self-mastery and that's a big one Can, can we go into that a little bit these days the personal development space is obviously going crazy right and um in christianity traditionally we've seen a lot of spiritually strong men but then relationally maybe not that strong or physically never took care of themselves or wasn't really thought of as important and so there are men who have almost had to separate their identity because they're a church guy. But then when they go to the gym, they're not going as a disciple necessarily. Can you talk on that? Because I've, I've seen your muscles and I know you do it all. So let's go into that a little bit. Um, let me drop my thesis on you. Okay, I'll, I'll drop my thesis. This is what I'm operating from. Mm-hmm. Um, all men are created to be leaders. That's the way we're created. That's our design. It's in our very DNA. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we look at the self-development industry, if we look at this, and this is really a racial trait of the human race, it's latent within our DNA um, that we want to build 
We want to conquer. It's why we climb mountains. It's why we build companies. It's mm -hmm. why we want to scale. Um, it's why we want to always go to the next thing and we're never satisfied. There's something bigger. There's something better. There's something new. There's another hill to climb. And that's, that's part of our DNA, the way God designed us. Um, mm -hmm. Although because we're fallen and when that's unredeemed, it expresses itself in a lot of wacky ways, right? In a lot of ways that um, are perverted and dominion turns into domination over people. And, you know, we know what happened because sin entered the world. It really takes man on a different trajectory and a different course. Mm -hmm. And that can uh, put us on these pursuits of always trying to better ourselves without the Lord. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's really what self-development is. It's I'll do it for myself, by myself. I want to get better um, competition, spirit of excellence, but all separated um, from your from your true design and the creator, mm. which leads nowhere. Right. It's just yeah. a fruitless endeavor. You uh, you end up climbing. But at the end of your life, you realize you climbed the wrong tree. You climb the tree mm. of the knowledge of good and evil. And you might have went high, but you're in the wrong one. Yeah. Or you built, but you built with the wrong materials. You know, we're going to all be evaluated by what we built with, um, whether spiritual substance, gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, and stubble. And mm. I like to say that wood is good for building. You can build amazing things with wood. You can build powerful structures, businesses, companies, ministries, right. yeah, churches. Yep. You can build a lot of things in your own willpower um, that are good, but not necessarily were, um, were from the Lord or that was his vision for your life. Yeah. Well, you were, you were going to drop the second half of that thesis. All men are created leaders. Yeah, thanks. And uh, the other part is, but not all men lead. Mm. But not all men lead. So we don't know how to lead um, either because we were fatherless because we're not submitted to the Lord, um, because we're lazy, because we deflect, um, because we try and skirt out of our responsibilities. So if you want to be a leader, it really starts with leading yourself. You know, everyone wants to be a king. Everyone wants to take dominion. But the thesis is this. You need to take dominion over yourself before the Lord can entrust you with anything else. So if I look at three spheres of leadership, um, number one, I'm called to take dominion over myself. I'm called to lead myself in what we're calling self-mastery, my natural man, you know, letting my spirit man rise into that place of ascendancy over my soul realm, um, putting down my, my carnal appetites of the flesh and letting mm. my spirit man govern in union with the Holy Spirit. That's self-mastery for me. And then mm. leading my family. So if you're a husband, aspiring husband, um, you have children or you don't have children now, it's then leading your family. That's part of my core DNA. That's one of the reasons I'm created. Family is an expression of God. Um, it's an expression of his church. There's different analogies, a bride, a building, a family, a body. Mm. And a family mm. is our expression of where we can govern in the home um, mm. in a servant leadership style. And then lastly, that last level is my sphere of influence. So it's myself, my family, and then my sphere of influence. And that has to do with my vocation, my work, who I interact with. And I believe that can enlarge based on your calling and based on your stewardship. If I'm a good steward with what God places in my hand, it's just a biblical principle. It's a principle of the kingdom that that will increase to the level that he's placed within me. Awesome, man. Come on. Um, the other dimension I wanted to touch on or the framework was confrontation. You know, confrontation is not popular. 
And just personally, I've had a lot of experience where people would rather not get into a subject, not talk about things and lose relationships or risk cutting off relationships over a hard <laughs> conversation or healthy conflict. Can you speak to that a little bit? Well, I mean, now we're going into interpersonal territory and, and you know, Joseph, I think this is just a hallmark of good relationships that are healthy, where we have to be able to disagree or if we see things differently, it's okay to pick up the phone um, or to visit someone and say, hey, let's talk about that versus skirting it, right? It's especially in the day and age we live in now, right? Everything's over the internet and social media. It's easy. I mean, people are leveling comments and, um, um, you know, jabs and remarks that they would never say to your face or never say in person. I know you've been the recipient of, you know, some of that um, from people you don't even know. And then, it, you know, that doesn't matter as much. But when we talk about people we know, the responsibility um, to really know how to deal with confrontation. So this is one thing I think. Every real relationship is going to be tested, right? Mm -hmm. um, happens in marriage, right? You do not get along with your spouse on every single subject every single time. But that's how you become stronger. And I've noticed it happens in friendships. And specifically with me, uh, my male friendships have been tested. There's things that a friend of mine might do that might trigger me. And how do I respond? I have an ability to control and to decide how I'm going to respond to that. Um, and even when there's an offense and I can do the lazy thing, which a lot of people do, which is they duck or they just drop out. That's happening right now in my life. Um, someone dropped out and I'm, I'm trying to reach out and like, let's, let's discuss, let's talk. Right. Um, but there's this other thing where my best relationships and ones that maybe have been on the verge of like, ah, I don't know if this is going to be a lifelong relationship or if this season's passed, but because we had the difficult conversation, um, mm. it brought us into a place of a much stronger relationship. Mm. So I think all relationships will be tested, right? Mm. And when that relationship is tested, if you can graduate to the next level, that's true friendship. Mm. That's so good. So when you look at confrontation in the sense of how you wrote it in your book and Jesus flipping tables and calling things out, you know, today you're going to hear so much happening in media, calling out the government, people that love their guns, especially in your country, right? Like there's this uh, almost like this extremism going on, right? Um, I don't know if you want to go there, but, uh, you know, I just I just want to get your view on this and, and the church or believers' response to this, you know, where um, it, on one side we're like, well, we need to get, like, aggressive and get after it, or on the other side it's like, that's not our territory, we shouldn't talk about it. What are your thoughts on that, and how does confrontation appear in your book, like some of your study on that? Yeah. Um, so first of all, we have to understand that Jesus is a man of truth, right? He's always going to stand for truth. He is the truth. He's the way. He's the truth and he's the life. And so he cannot do anything that's contrary to his nature. So the truth is always there. And that really is what drives confrontation is because he's truth and he has to bring the truth onto the scene. And he's also courageous. He doesn't shy away from a confrontation, specifically when it has to do with an injustice, um, someone being taken advantage of. Um, and that's where we see a lot of when he makes moves when he calls people out, when he takes on the Pharisees in, in, in view of the public, 
and takes them to task in front of everyone. It's, it's enormous um, courage that he's exhibiting, but it's also truth and it's all for the purpose to bring liberation. So there's a motive when he displays the truth to set people free. So mm. let me dial back for a moment to what you said about, you know, in our nation and like, hey, just because something's true, do I have to do it? Or do I have to say it? Does it need to be said? You know, here's three questions you can always ask yourself. Um, does this need to be said? Does it need to be said by me? And does it need to be said by me right now? And the answer is not always yes, mm -hmm. even because something's true. So, you know, we have this, this paradox where Jesus speaks truth, but he also, he moves in the will of his father. He only does what he sees his father doing. So I don't have to be this warrior that's always looking for a fight. I don't have to be this tough guy with a sword. And just because I have a sword means I have to use it every single time I can use it. So good. Right. There's a lot of restraint. This goes back to self-mastery. Um, there's a, you know, being a disciple is really the way of discipline. And mm. Jesus is a man of restraint. He's a man that knows when to speak. We have a lot of parables about the rich man knows when to pull out certain treasure, when to keep other things down. We have proverbs about, you know, how not to promote yourself. There's a time to speak. There's a time to be quiet. So I don't feel compelled to always have to speak um, mm. unless I'm told to speak by my father because mm. I'm in relationship and I'm in submission to his will as a disciple. So I stay in my lane until I'm called to go out, until I'm called to say, now I feel released to, to say this or to bring this truth or to correct something. But I'm not going around looking for a fight to pick. And that's not necessarily what Jesus did either. Yeah. Very strategic, very in line with his father's will as the will is unfolding over these years of ministry um, to make moves um, when he's called to and always in alignment and in submission to his father's will. So good, man. So good. So let's assume that there, there are men who are going to watch this, who are watching it. And there are two types of men. Let's say there is one man who has been going to church, has done all these things. He's been in leadership, been in ministry. And now listening to you is starting to realize, man, I have, I have shut down a part of me. I have forgotten this part of me. Well, I used to love going into the woods or the bush and, you know, maybe hunt or maybe do some things and find encounters with God there. I've shut myself to all of that. And, and they might now doubt some of their masculinity or doubt some of where they're at, you know, after hearing what you're saying, what would you say to them? What kind of advice can you give to these men? Yeah, well, let, let's just acknowledge that problem, right? Because in our modern day society, um, you know, we're not in touch with the earth necessarily, right? We're not walking the earth like Jesus did. We're not in the outdoors. We're not connected to nature as much. We're tethered behind screens. We have crazy responsibilities. Never have we worked as much as we work now. Um, mm. You know, the grind is in full effect, multiple incomes, jobs, working spouses, emails going off, distractions everywhere, temptations everywhere, the world system growing and encroaching in different aspects. So if we don't build walls, if we don't have a place, um, a sacred space we carve out, and if we don't purposely and intentionally 
find that place to walk with our father, then mm -hmm. we're pretty much, if we're left in isolation and we're disconnected, we're set mm -hmm. up for failure. So let's first, let's acknowledge that, that if you're a man and you're listening to this, um, it's not entirely your fault. You have to take responsibility for where you are, but the world and its systems, um, the environment you're in, everything is working against you right now. The enemy, mm -hmm. yourself, and um, environments. Mm -hmm. On top of that, we've made bad decisions, right? So it's this cascade of deflecting, um, skirting responsibility, becoming lazy. You know, we have video games. We have every vice you can think of that pulls us into this mediocre cycle of just mundane living and not being fully alive. And how do we break that pattern? How do we step out of it? A couple practical things is you need to find an outlet. You know, so let's just talk about it. You're a big guy about, you know, spirit, soul, body, heart. Let's talk about the body for a minute, right? We mm -hmm. are in this, we are in the flesh right now and we should be stewarding every aspect. You know, this is another thing we've done in Christianity. We made everything so mystical and so spiritual that, you know, the number one thing Christians do is like we, we eat, we don't take care of our bodies and we just say the spiritual outweighs everything. But when I look at Jesus, um, that's certainly not the way he lives, right? Mm. He, he, Jesus, he fasts for 40 yeah. days. He had a fasting lifestyle, which right now that is the cutting edge and biohacking, right? The yeah. benefits of fasting. Yeah, Jesus yeah. was doing it first. And on top of that, he's strong. He was a builder. Um, he was in good shape. He walked everywhere. Um, he could carry that cross on his back, right, after taking a beating. When he calls Peter out to walk on the water and Peter falls, he can put his hand out and he can pull him up. You know, this takes strength. This is physical force. This mm. isn't just, you know, just spiritual. So I believe Jesus was a strong man. He was capable. He was a protector. And there's something about connecting. And, and I notice, and I know you're doing it right now with G63, and I mm. love it. There is this connection specifically for men. I think it's for everyone, but specifically for men, there's, there's this connection between the way I stored myself physically and my stewardship in the spiritual realm. Because when mm. I'm sloppy here, I'm sloppy here. When I'm strong and on point and I'm living that life of discipline and restraint, I have it in the gym and it carries over and spills over into every area of my life. Likewise, mm when I'm living in submission to the Lord, when I'm in alignment with his will, when I'm spending time with him throughout the day, not just a sacred space, but I'm living the way I'm supposed to be living, that also carries over into all my disciplines. So the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. It's hard mm -hmm. to really serve him with all your might in one area and then just live sloppy and eat whatever I want and just stay up late and not take care of myself. So mm -hmm. there is that correlation for men. So I think that's a trigger point that I've noticed, not only in my life, but in other men as well, yeah. uh, where we can tell, I've talked to you know mutual friends of ours, where I can tell if a guy's not doing well, um, you know, one of our mutual friends, Richard, will tell him, hey, you need to get back in the gym. You're a better mm -hmm. man when you work out. You know, you're better when you're when you're doing something, you know, go do yeah. something. So there is that connection. I think there's also a connection with nature. Um, mm -hmm. We don't always have to be like this picture of a desert father who abandoned everything and I got to go, you know, put myself through some pain or I got to be on my knees for an hour a day. We can do a nature walk. I know you're big on this too, Joseph. You can mm -hmm. connect with God in nature. You can go for a walk. And the way you connect there is probably different than maybe the way even a female would connect. 
Um, yeah. Something about that for men as well. So those are just two ideas. Those are two things to start to break out. But I think the key is avoiding isolation at all costs, mm. at all costs, getting connected with like-minded men, um, whether it's virtual or if it's a, a literal gathering in a proximity to where you are. Um, but being around people, that principle of iron sharpening iron, mm. and people that will tell you the truth. And like you say, call you out on your junk, right? Mm. Get mm. in your face and hold you accountable. So someone you can be real and raw with and not just put up the church face. How you doing today? Good. Okay. Move on. Right. I'm talking yeah. about relationships. That's yeah. what we want, Right. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I love it. Um, and there's one side, right? So let's hit this other side. What about the guys that have come into church and they're like, oh, this worship feeling stuff or the language, I just don't fit in. I've never felt like I fit in. Maybe the pastor was threatened by me, you know, or whatever like that. But just this person that's tried and now is on the fringes or out, but they love Jesus and they don't have a space where they can you know, do this or what What are some of your thoughts to men like this? Cause I know there are a few that are going to listen to this. They're in that place. Um, if they're listening to this and they're new and they're in New Zealand, find Joseph and connect with him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, but seriously, you have to find a place you connect with. Right. Mm. And you have to be obedient to where the Lord tells you. So there's this balance, right? So find a place that speaks to you. And a place where you can get fed, where you can receive, you know, somewhere that you feel you can plug in. And um, if they're local, obviously, I'm going to recommend you and what you're doing. Um, and then there's this this other side of it as well. I think we're talking to the first gentleman, which is um, they need to find a place where they fit, where they connect, where they come alive, where they're like, yeah, this is where I need to be. But I want to balance that with listen to the voice of God for you and mm. ask the Lord, because sometimes the Lord, sometimes more times than often, will connect us with people or a place that rubs on us because that's part of his process in our life. So yeah. I want to be careful not to give anyone the easy way out and just say, find somewhere that's great for you. Like that's a good mm -hmm. starting point. That's an operating principle. But ultimately, you need to come into this place where you pray, you commit your way to the Lord and you ask him where you're supposed to be. Because I certainly have been in uncomfortable places of relationships, jobs, scenarios that made me who I am. And those were the testing grounds that developed me in the Lord's mm. process. And um, something we both share is that we know that before God uses anything or anyone, he will break it first. Mm. He will break it. And part of that breaking process is we need to submit to his ways. This is not a popular message. You won't hear this yeah. in most mega churches, um, but this is the way the Lord operates. Yeah. And if you really want power, if you really want him to work in your life, if you really want to be submitted and you're serious when you say, I want your will for my life, then you'll submit to his process. And that is sonship because a son knows how to be obedient. A son knows how to take discipline. And that's ultimately what Jesus models. He takes mm. the hard way. You know, this is the light, the life and the way of the, the, the disciple. And it is the way of the cross. We have the work of the cross where it is finished. 
Um, and positionally, we are saved. We're in right standing with God. But we also have this experiential inv invitation to follow in the way of the cross. To be a disciple is to pick up your cross and follow me. Mm. And so, so part good. of that is going to be asking the Lord, am I supposed to be here? And when you say, I want to leave, I don't want to be here. And he says, no, stay, son. I'm not done with this portion in your life. I'm not done with this season that you can say, yes, father. And you can mm. submit. So good, man. And I'm going to throw throw some more things at you. We can uh, You can decline to go there if you want. But like the woman, what about the women that are listening? And they say there's a woman here whose husband is in this kind of place and, and they just find nowhere that they can fit in. Uh, what is something, some advice you could give her? Where the husband doesn't fit in or the woman doesn't fit in? Or where the husband, the husband, like the woman's listening to you and going, man, that's exactly what my husband's been saying this whole time. And, you know, um, do you have any, any advice or any words for her? So what I don't want to do is I don't want to act like I'm the expert and I have the solution on everything. All right. Sure. That's not what sure. I want to play and that's not who I am. Um, for every single aspect. I'm not the guru and I don't want to put myself in that position. But what I will say is hopefully women that are listening to this, you can understand some of the needs, some of the ways your husband is built that's mm. different than what your church may be delivering. And let me go a step further. It's probably different than your expectation as well, right? Mm. Because men and women and relationships are really grounded in expectations. And when things go bad, it's because we have different expectations. The woman thought it was going to be like this. The man was expecting something else. And I'm just talking real, right? Real relationships. Um, and that's where things go bad. And it's the same way with expectations of maybe what you want your husband to look like or do in your vision of how he's serving the Lord. And so I think what you can do is you can understand how he's built the language that speaks to him on a DNA level, the way God created us to build, to achieve. Um, we have a language of honor and respect. That's something that we all want. Um, that's something we need. Most men, that's, that's part of their language that they speak. Um, it's the way they relate to people. You know, Joseph, and you, if you and I are in the room, or actually if I go to my son's school and I watch him play, I'm going to see him standing shoulder to shoulder with his friends. Mm. And they're going to bond over an activity. They're going to bond and he's going to show his action figure and the kid next to him is going to show the building blocks and they're going to knock it over and they're going to play and they're going to build while they're facing the same direction. And that's the way they're going to build camaraderie. That's the way they connect mm. when it comes to females. And if I look at even at a young age in my daughter's classroom, um, the, the women are going to correct connect differently. The, mm. the girls are going to connect differently. They're going to want um, direct dialogue, eye mm. contact. They're going to face each other. They're not going to do an activity together. They're going to speak and want to have a deeper conversation. So these are some really different ways and expectations that we need to level on what my wife does, what she wants. And then also, how do I flex? How does she flex? How do we bend to each other? But I think grounding on expectations is a really wise thing to understand how your husband's built. And lastly, um, I am the product of a praying mother. So do not underestimate the prayers that you can pray for your husband, for your loved ones. 
Um, you're doing massive action in the heavenly realms by praying, um, by releasing, by binding, and by taking authority, spiritual authority over situations and over attacks that come against men. So do not underestimate that um, for a moment. So good, man. Josh, you're a wise man. <laughs> um, we got a we got a question here. I'll, I'll yeah. put this up. I, I don't know if you can read it. Can you see that? Um, oh, you highlighted it. Yeah. What is your opinion on how to develop good friendships? Um, if say I'm wanting to pour into friendships and it's not fully reciprocated, or just building close friends being tested, but being stuck in a season. Oh man, this is a pain point. Oh, you got it on the big screen here. Sorry, I missed yeah. it. I was reading it on the side. Um, this is a pain point. So let's just articulate this. And Joseph, why don't we we tag team? You can tell me what you think of this as well. Um, right now, we live in a very self-absorbed culture, mm -hmm. right? Everyone's so focused on themselves. It's harder and harder to have genuine relationships, conversations without people having self-serving interests. This is actually what I love about coaching and I get to train coaches. I love a coaching approach because it's really focused on active listening, on mm. uncovering, on deep, genuine interest, authenticity, vulnerability, and really good questions. And if I need to ask a really good question, I need to be a really good listener. And there's this quote, I think it's from Jim Collins in Good to Great. Um, he talks about be more interested than interesting. Right. We all want to be interesting. What's the bio of your social? What's your what's your latest message? What are you building? What are you doing? How do I attract, you know, more followers or whatever mm. that might be? Mm. And what about being interested in others? And that's really what I see Jesus do. Right. This servant leadership approach where he gives genuine, totally zeroed in focus on the person he's speaking with. So. To answer your question, it's um, it's tough if someone doesn't reciprocate because I've had those relationships where I've tried to see if they're going to give back. Is there going to be a two-way dialogue? Is this going to be a monologue? And I'm mm. sizing up. Can I really, is this going to be one of those connections? And it doesn't have to be. All right. So set yourself free. Some relationships are not meant to be lifelong. Some are seasonal. Um, some have a bent where they need something from you or the Lord wants you to pour into them or deliver your wisdom or mentoring for a season. And others, you need something and you're the needy one and you've connected with someone that the Lord brings into your life for a season. I mean, I can think of those times the Lord brought someone into my life, an older man, a wise man poured into me. It wasn't necessarily two way, but I got what I needed. Mm. Um, and now I can do that for others. So it's discerning. What is this relationship? But ultimately, I can't force someone to be interested. And if there's just not a flow, it can only go so far. And isn't that the principle Jesus uses, right? Every parable, every time he reaches out to someone, it's always an invitation to come deeper, yeah. but yeah. not everyone takes it. So, you know, he wraps the truth in a riddle just enough to see if you're interested. So he masks it from casual followers. So do you really want a relationship? Same way in a friendship. Do you really want to be my friend or did you just want something? Because mm. we can go deep if it's two way, but if it's not, then you know, you'll know you get what you need and that's okay. And learn how to just let go. You know, Don't harbor offense.
Mm. What say you, Joseph? So good. So good. I always come back to something a mentor of mine taught me. Love is given, trust is earned, and deeper friendships are built on trust that takes time, you know, and that trust must be two-way. Love, I always see love as one way. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's always believing the best, hopes the best. It's always going one way, but trust is a two-way bank account. It requires deposits from both parties, you know, and so, and you can't force someone, just like you said. I love what you said, and, um, you know, you love people enough to invite them on the journey. But you love yourself enough to set yourself free when they don't want it, you know? Yeah, and it's a big energy. um, It's a big waste of energy to constantly want something that you're not getting back in return. So you need to know when to cut it because you're just going to harbor that and it can really pull you down if you're always wanting to get something that's not there. So, you know, learn how to step back and just say, what is this relationship? What is this for? Am I here to serve? Are they here to give something to me or is this a, a friendship for a season or is this a lifelong connection? So good. Man, this was amazing. We've already hit an hour. It's gone wow. quick. Um, why don't you just tell people a little bit about how they can connect with you and what you're doing in the next week or two? Yeah, I got a couple things going on. Thanks for the opportunity, Joseph. So first of all, I know we have an international audience, so there's a couple things. If you do have access to Amazon, um, the standard, this book, Um, you can grab it on Amazon, the hard copy. You can get the Kindle. I just recorded the Audible. That should be up in the next couple weeks. Just has to go through processing with them. Um, But I do have a major announcement. I haven't said this publicly yet, so I'll say it here. Um, I have and I am starting a podcast, and that's going to be launching next week. And as part of the launch, it's going to be a podcast specifically on leadership, development, Um, leadership mindset and development for kingdom men. You know, women are welcome to listen to it as well, but it is catered more for a a masculine audience. And a lot of things, what I'm going to be doing around this, if anyone's interested, I am going to be gifting. I'll do this for your audience here if they're interested. Um, I'm going to be sending some details on how to do this, um, how to get access to it, but I'm going to gift you my book on MP3. So it's a, it's a digital delivery. So no matter where you are, you can get it. Um, I narrated it. If you want to get that, um, the best thing to do would be to sign up on my list so I can send you the details. And what I'll give you in return, give it to your husband if you're a female, if you're a man, you know, please take me up on this. But a lot of guys wonder, like, where do I start? And what are the rules to the game as I step out into my masculine journey of following Jesus and wanting to be that that biblical man that God's created and called me to be? So I created a document called The Map. The Map is 12 powerful biblical strategies that you can apply, implement, and execute in your life. Um, I want to give that to you for free. You can get it at standard59.com, standard59.com. The reference there is to Isaiah 59. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord raises a standard against him. And right now we have attacks on masculinity. We have attacks on us happening on all sides. And it's the Lord's promise that he raises a standard. And that standard is Jesus. And we see that in the the unfolding scriptures in Isaiah 59, 19 Mm -hmm. and beyond that. He is the warrior that comes in and fights on our behalf. So Mm -hmm. standard59.com, the map, you can get it for free. I'll give you details if you want to find out how to get that audible mp3 for free i'll give that to you as well and um bro it's been an honor i love you i love what you're doing and uh this is amazing 
I love it. This is awesome. Standard 59. I love that. Hey, guys, I've put the link in the caption, so it's easy for you to find. You can go through there, and you can connect with Josh on uh, Instagram and also Facebook on, on his handles there. But, um, Josh, I just want to say I honor honor you, man. I, I'm thankful for you. Um, it's such a surprise that uh, God brought this friendship how he did and what it is, and um, I know it's just the beginning for you. I honor your journey, honor your walk, uh, you know, I can tell a lot by meeting a man's family and uh, I've got a chance to live in your house for a few days and see that firsthand. So I'm super excited for you and what you're doing and how this is going to impact all men in the kingdom, man. So thank you so much for joining us today. It was epic. Yeah. Come back and visit, come back to PA, but um, <laughs> better yet, I want to come to New Zealand. Boom. You are welcome. When you are ready, the gate is open. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Boom. So thank you, man. Thank you, guys. Thank you for hanging out with us. Make sure to share this. Pass this on. Pass on the link to your husbands. They're going to get a free audio book, which is amazing. And also the map. They're going to get connected to what they need. Men need men. I keep saying this. Men need men. And here is a great opportunity to be part of something that God's doing in this time. You know. So thank you so much for being with us, guys. Josh, you can stay with me. But everyone else... We're going to say goodbye. Have a good day. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If what you heard here today resonated with you and you want to fully step in to be the man that God created and called you to be, then I want to give you a free guide. It's called The Map, and you can get it at standard59.com. In The Map, I will give you 12 biblical strategies that every kingdom man pursuing biblical masculinity must honor. If you're ready to step off the sidelines and pursue the upward call, then get the map today at standard59.com. That's standard59.com. Hey, if there's a brother in your life that needs to hear this message, then share this show with them. And please leave us a rating and review. It helps get the message out there to more men. Until the next show, guys, let's raise the standard.